This is Father Kevin Hale with the homily for the fifth Sunday of Ordinary Time, the 9th of February. I wonder how many of us ever give so much as a second thought to opening our fridge door and taking out our fresh food, or going into a room and flicking the switch and taking it for granted that there will be light. We seldom give a second thought to these normal, everyday acts. Yet had we lived in any century before the 20th century, we would have had to work hard to preserve our food and to produce light. For light, we would have depended upon any number of ingenious means whereby we could see what we were doing in the dark. And for preserving our food, we would have had to use salt. And salt, like water, is something we know is vital for the human body. It was even more important before the invention of canning and refrigeration, because it was the primary method for preserving foodstuffs. Not surprisingly, it's long been considered a much-valued commodity. A whole series of expressions have grown up around this product. For example, to be worth one salt, or to take it with a pinch of salt, or to be above or below the salt at table, signified your importance. Each of these and other similar expressions tell us the value we've placed on this natural mineral from earliest times. So it doesn't surprise us that Jesus uses salt as a symbol in his teaching, a symbol for what we have to be. Being salt to the earth is something quite striking, because salt has the ability to prevent corruption. By saying that we have to be salt, Jesus is saying that we have to be an anti-corruptive influence in the world, that we must be anti-corruptive in a world that is sin-corrupted. Now, the town of Jericho in Jerusalem is often mentioned in the Gospel, and it's the setting of one of the miracles of Jesus. You also find a well there which belonged to the prophet Elisha, who many centuries before Jesus performed an impressive miracle himself when he cast salt over the contaminated contaminated waters of the area, averting a potential agricultural catastrophe for the people of Jericho. You can read all about it in the second book of the Kings. That miracle is the basis of the custom that the church has of mixing salt with water when it's being blessed. The prayer says, Almighty God, we ask you to bless this salt as once you blessed the salt scattered over the water by the prophet Elisha. Wherever this salt and water is sprinkled, drive away the power of evil and protect us always by the presence of your Holy Spirit. This is one of the examples of what we call a sacramental, as distinct from the seven sacraments. Sacramentals are symbols and signs, like holy water, candles, medals, crucifixes and statues, to which the Church attaches a blessing and a grace for us. In fact, there's hardly anything which, if it's properly used, cannot be directed towards our holiness and be used for God's glory. Now, these sacramentals are not meant to be like lucky charms, nor do they have any magical properties. The only power they have is what the church attaches to them. So whenever salt is blessed, or holy water used, or a crucifix, or a medal worn, it's putting us within the power of the church and surrounding us with her prayer and protection. As with all these signs, it's not the thing itself, 
but the fact that they bring us into contact with Christ and his church. When Jesus healed the blind man, it wasn't faith in the mud that he spread on the man's eyes that was essential, but rather his complete faith in what Jesus could do for him, which was to restore his sight. In order for us to be salt in the world, to be sacramentals for others, it's necessary that like salt, we go in an unseen, subtle kind of way. Like the way that yeast permeates dough, salt is always unseen when it gets absorbed into food. When it's there, we take it for granted. But when food is unsalted, we notice immediately. When the Christians are not taking their place in the world, when we are absent, when we are not playing our part, the effects are immediately felt and evil can begin to triumph. So there's virtually no situation in which we cannot be salt and light, virtually no instance in which we cannot make our presence felt. One person in a family can be the salvation of the whole family, though it may not be given them to see the final result. It's an absolute certainty that being salt and light inevitably produces goodness. One saint can outweigh a hundred, perhaps a thousand, even a million sinners. How so? Because holiness is more powerful than sin, and holiness is the only power that we have over others, over the world. This Tuesday we'll celebrate Our Lady of Lourdes, our patroness here, and the patroness of our diocese. We are under the patronage of a strong mother. Whenever we think of Mary at Lourdes, we're struck by the message that she brings, drawing us closer to her son, closer to the means of holiness, to the Mass, confession, the adoration of the Blessed Sacrament, the praying of the Holy Rosary, acts of kindness. By these means, and with her constant intercession, we will get the strength to be the salt and the light that we have to be, to have the courage and the strength to bring ever brighter light and greater savour to our world. Let us pray. Keep your family, O Lord, with unfailing care, that relying solely on the hope of heavenly grace, they may be defended always by your protection. Through Christ our Lord. Amen.